I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you. Not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. From the message. This verse is critical for Hope Fellowship because it is the foundation verse that this church was founded on. I have a plan for you. I know the plans, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. It's amazing how many believers think God is harming them. The lie that God must be doing something to me. I must have done something wrong, so he's, he's, he's punishing me. He's allowing my circumstances to, to totally disintegrate. It's God doing it to me. That lie is killing the bride of Christ in their minds. Because it's, it's not true. And I'm reading in, listen, Old Covenant. You remember, we know the difference between the covenants. The Old Covenant that we talk about started from Moses. It was the, a covenant of law. That if you do this, God will bless you. And if you don't, he'll curse you. It was a system never to stay in place. And never reflecting the heart of the Father properly. They begged for rules. They begged for laws. And they got them. The covenant before that, listen to this. This is really, really cool. The covenant of grace shown to Abraham... Get this. Abraham wants to do a covenant with God. And God says, not a chance. In fact, let me touch you. Boom! And clump. He collapses into a deep sleep. And God does the covenant without Abraham. Did Abraham have a choice in the matter? No! He didn't. And so there's Abraham. And God does the sacrifice and walks through the pieces without permission. And he declares the covenant of grace. See, the new covenant is really <laughs> the old, older one that's grace. It's not a new, new one. It's new to you and me, maybe. But when you take a look at the old covenant of law, this verse has power, and yet it's lacking something. It's lacking the new covenant. And 11 years ago, it was so clear to me in my mind that the new covenant partner of this verse is Colossians 1.27. Actually, let's stop for a second. I want to read another old covenant verse that helps reflect this. Ezekiel 11.19, it says, I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them, and I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. This is something to come. Did it happen? In Christ, we were given a new one. We died with Christ and we were raised to new life, His life, in union with Him. Powerful. And now we come to the Colossians good news comparison to this. This one's fine. Jeremiah 29 11 is great. Old covenant still has value, but it's not complete. Here's complete. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. You'll have to read the rest of 1 Colossians to talk about 
What is he talking about? But here, here, here's the answer he gives to this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. They did not experience Christ in you in Jeremiah 29.11. When does the new covenant in the New Testament start? And don't you dare tell me Matthew. All right? It's in Matthew, but it happens at the cross. That's when the new covenant takes place. Much of the Gospels, most of the Gospels that was written, was all written Old Covenant. Even some of the things Jesus taught. He spoke into the Old Covenant. Let me give you a, a, a quick example. The Lord's Prayer. Oh, we love the Lord's Prayer. God has said it all the time. Oh, it's such a powerful thing. You know what? It's not the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> he was teaching his disciples how to pray under that covenant. How do we know this? The dead giveaways at the very end. If you do not, what? Forgive. You cannot be forgiven. Well, that messes up the whole Lord's Prayer. You know, now i got to analyze everything. So have I forgiven that person? Have I forgiven that one? And we have our lists galore. I've talked about this verse at so many funerals, like with the families, not at the funeral, but with families because there's guilt. They've let somebody die or they never had the chance to forgive them because that complete misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. And they misunderstood the covenant location of that verse. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not abolish it. Okay? So when he's speaking, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, He's taking what the Jews had tried to attain, the impossibility, and they were bringing it down. And Jesus said, uh-uh, that was not the intent of that. It's back up to impossible. There's no way you guys could do it. That's why I'm here, because I will do it. Nobody else can. So he meets the requirements and then brings the old covenant to a close where it is no longer needed. And it's useless. Because a new covenant has come. Jesus Christ. And that new covenant started at his death and resurrection. Powerful, powerful picture. Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We have hope given to us. We have the Holy Spirit given to us. This is good news, and God has poured it into us. So let's start 2015 by remembering we have been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You have been given everything you need for godly living. You lack nothing. Everything that has to be taken care of to have a right relationship with God has been done by God. Your job is simply receive it and believe it. That's it. Now, the doing flows from believing. A lot of people try to do things to get God into their life or get closer to Him. They think the activities, performance, are the things that get Him closer. But now that I know I am in Christ, I practice those things that I know 
I already am and is in me. Work out the salvation that's in me. The more I know it, the more I believe it. The more I'm reminded of it. None of us have the whole scriptures memorized. So it's up to the Holy Spirit to trigger our mind. And sometimes we get too busy. We're so self-absorbed with controlling our little world that we can totally not hear his voice anymore. That's scary. So this morning I want to give you some encouragement verses. First, Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. Did I have it in here? I think I did. Yes. 22 and 23. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. The word never in the Hebrew means never. Just so you know. (laughs) The reason I'm emphasizing it is because the lie, and I started off with this morning, that God's punishing me. He's angry at me. He is not angry at us. His loving kindness never ceases. And this is old covenant. See, you'll see there are snapshots in Scripture. There are some other ones I don't understand. But I don't, because I don't understand them, I have to look to Jesus. And I see the whole Old Testament through the lens of Christ himself because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That is how I am going to view who my Heavenly Father is. It brings up a lot more questions, which is fine. We're not called to know all the answers, but I know the one who is the answer. goes on. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. For his compassions Never fail. Who needs compassion today from the Lord? Old covenant. And it doesn't fail. It will not fail. They are new every morning. Oh, great is your faithfulness. Whose faithfulness? God's faithfulness. He is the gift of faith to us. You can't muster it up. Whose job was it to get in touch with Moses? On that mountain. Was it Moses' job to say, I need to find out who this God is? And he goes on a search. No, it was God seeking him out, getting his attention. And he happened to use a burning bush that was pretty convincing. I think you and I would probably also be convinced. It'd be really cool. Now, I I do ask God once in a while, could you do something really cool today like that? You know, because some people could use that extra nudge of, you know, believability and seeing a big wow factor. Miracles do happen today. But just because a miracle happens doesn't mean that a miracle has to happen in order to prove God's blessing. A miracle, I believe, can happen in spite of our belief to encourage us. He can choose to do it as he wishes, but it happens. Miracles are real. Psalm 90 says, Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Do you realize life is short? Really short. You can live to 105 and that still be short compared to eternity. 
I buried a 50-year-old yesterday. Snuffed out way too fast. That's short. And I've buried infants, 5-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 22-year-olds, and so on. So many ages. Life's short. And we're encouraged here in Psalm 90. Teach us to number our days. Know that our days are numbered. In Psalm 39, it says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is merely a breath to you. It, it, it will go out. It's like a, a flower that will whittle. And he ends by saying, Lord, where am I going to put my hope? And he says, my only hope is in you. You may have to start 2015 with that kind of mentality, especially if you're being blindsided with, with difficulties. Who is your hope in? Is your hope in your bank account? Is your hope in how you've managed life? Or is it in the Lord? And it's not a cheesy answer. So I, I know some people say, well, that sounds like a crutch. You can call whatever you want. Those who don't understand can call it a crutch. But I call it an anchor in something that I know is true. And the reason I know is because the Spirit of God has told me. And that's for me. You as well have a voice that is speaking to you and has spoken to you and has confirmed the goodness of God at some point. You may have forgotten and need to be reminded. It's the Holy Spirit's job. He's for you. His blessings are new every morning. And we start the new year off with this reminder. It's critical. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with some of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. No. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. See, we can come up with great wisdom from the world. We can Google wisdom, and there's lots of good points there. Even reading Proverbs through a hundred times will not give you the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is a person. It's Jesus. You can have all the head knowledge you want, but it is the Spirit of God who makes that come alive in us and allows us to respond. That's what I want in 2015. I'd like us to move and discover the rest of grace, really. The rest of grace. There's a pun on the word rest if you haven't caught that. We first need to know who we are in Christ. And we've, I think we've really hammered that one well for the last 11 years. But there are those who are ready to move on and say, okay, I want to experience it and have it lived out in my life. What's it look like? And there's a new maturing avenue coming. And most of you are already aware of it. Some of you are definitely on the journey. Others are still trying to figure out who you are in Christ. Perfect. That's what makes us a family. There isn't a grading scale. There are those that I've seen grow in grace for years and suddenly, boom, have come to a place of darkness and have forgotten and need to almost start over. It's scary. They've turned their grace, and I call it gracealism, <laughs> where it used to be good news. Well, let me give you an example. Before I was a believer... Mind you, I was a young kid, so I, I would never have articulated all this stuff, okay? But some of you who, who only became a Christian later in life, um, 
there was a time where you just couldn't handle the religious people, like Christians. They're all weird, right? And so you just, there was a rejection of that. You we're not open to it. But as a believer, then you could love the unbeliever. When I became a believer, you know, my goal, what I thought back then, I'll call it legalistic uh, believing, um, then I wanted to convert at any cost because I thought it was up to me to convert. So I had to be right, and they were wrong. Right? That's exactly what it is. All right? You may have some good news. You may authentically care. That's great. But the premise is still the wrong tree. Right and wrong. Trying to be more right than them. And whatever verses you have to pummel into their head to guilt them into saying the prayer, you do it. And when they say it, oh good, they're in. Next. <laughs> then I discovered identity grace. So now there's three. So the legalist doesn't like the grace thing because it's not controlled. It's too loosey-goosey. You know, it's almost like you can go do whatever you want, sin all you want. That's the impression that a, um, a legalistic but authentic believer could see in somebody that, and they don't understand that grace, they could see it as, a, oh, that's just a license to sin, which it is not. But this person can love the legalist and love the unbeliever. They can. But what I found out was, and this is very humbling to me, now I was in this place of identity grace trying to convince the legalist they're wrong. <laughs> oh, I can tell any pastor now. And I'm serious. I was in a place where, bring them on. Bring on any legalistic pastor. I can take them on now. I'm serious. It was, it, it's, I know it sounds arrogant, but in my heart, I was so passionate about what I believed, and I knew I was right in rule, like in the rule of it. And, you know, I had all the arguments laid out, all the charts. Boom, if you say this, then ha, there's the answer for that. You know, there's the Bible verse to back that one up. You know, yeah, sword fight. You know, so we, we bat each other around with scripture verses over coffee. Well, the Bible says this, and nobody wins those stupid arguments. They end with two sour grapes. The gracelist, who has to be right because he knows they're right, it has now ticked off the other person and now there's no, no relationship whatsoever. Because now this person will always perceive them as trying to be more right and the arrogance comes through. That's not grace. Now I've come to see something bigger and I'm working it out. I don't, know, I don't have a full answer to this. But I call it more grace. And I think this continuum, I, we could have many more revelations of more grace, which is great. But I saw myself as the right and wrong guy, the answer man, ready to take on battles, ready to jump into debates. It was my job to convince, not anymore. Now all I can do is share with you what I see. And I can authentically love without trying to convince. I think that's the key. True grace loves, not tries to convince. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And maybe we can learn that in 2015. That the measure of grace you've been shown, to show it properly, is measured by your love for others. Believer or not believer. Legalist or Identity, grace, whatever, if you want to have scales. I'm just, I had to use those examples because that's, that's my language right now. 
But some of you know exactly what I mean. So no more arguing, no more fighting. <coughs> Welcome conversation, love authentically, because the love of the Lord never fails, and the love of the Lord is in you. And that's how the world will know we're Christians. By our love, not doctrine. Doctrine's important, absolutely. There's a place for it. There's a serious place for theology. But that has to be lived out practically in love. Does that make sense? What a way to start the year. Just, I've just been mulling it over in the last couple of weeks. It's like, man, very humbling because when I had an argument uh, about a year ago with somebody, I saw for the first time what I looked like as a gracialist, and I had no idea I was one. I love grace. Grace is a person. His name is Jesus. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 again says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. You may be walking a crooked path. You may be even walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But it's a valley. Through. There's not a dead end. I'm going to read you, oh darn, I don't have my phone on me. There's a text I got this morning from a good friend, Ken. And he said something like, Bev, you'll have to correct me if it's wrong, but it's an idea. It's obviously science. Um, <laughs> rain falling, no, light goes faster than rain falling by 18 million times, something like that. Does that make any sense to you? Like speed, okay, for comparison, you get the point. You know, light travels much faster than rain falling, right? And then he said, since Jesus is light, he's already been through the storm. He's already there waiting. We're not alone. 2015, he's already there. You're going to have rain. You're going to have storms. Paul says, hello, don't be surprised when trials come. Hello. He means it. Don't be surprised. <laughs> How is this happening to me? God's mad at me. Stop it. <laughs> Dung happens, okay? <laughs> Proverbs 16.9. I love this one. I memorized this as a 16-year-old. <laughs> In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. You may say, well, I have a dream. That's nice. I won't fulfill my dream. Well, isn't that pretty? So we all bow down to you now. You know, we cave all of our dreams because you have a dream. Pretty arrogant. And yet, the Holy Spirit can put a dream into you. That's great. But you submit that dream to him the entire time. Let me give you an example of somebody here. Tim Lane Smith working with Subworks, restaurant he started. And he was called to go on to the dragon's den. And he believed, certainly, God called him to dragon's den. Okay? He was convinced deep within his spirit. And he listened to it. And he believes it was the Lord. And I believe, looking back, totally, yes. He didn't go running around, the Lord told me, hello, the Lord told me. Well, now you do that and you can't be challenged. 
right? You can believe it. You can share with trusted ones. But don't go declaring this stuff because who can argue with that? The rest of us can see clearly no. <laughs> you know you know how other people can see sometimes better than you. Anyway, not like it ever happens. So he goes to Dragon's Den. Well, doggone it. The person in front of him is taking too long. He's next. He's about to go on. And they go on and on and on. He never makes it. He was right there. Almost had it. Who ever thinks like that? Anybody else here? I almost had it. If only this could have happened. If only that. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, but you never did. You can go through the whole song and dance. And do you know what that event did to him? It forced him to rethink his life. And God inspired him because now, hang on, watch this. Call to Dragon's Den from God? Yes. Gets to Dragon's Den? It's all God so far. Doesn't get on? Well, that couldn't have been God. Oh, yes, it was. God knew exactly what he was doing, and here's why. He knew that in order to get Tim to hear, he had to place this in his heart. Because just after that was a teachability moment that was coming that could not have been possible had this willingness not happened. Do you understand? So he gets to this moment of crisis. Hits, I would believe, a slight depression. A.K.A. really bummed out. You know? Because he told a bunch of people, I'm going on Dragon's Den, pray for me. We prayed for him here at the church. It was great. It didn't happen. That's humbling, isn't it? To declare, not have it happen. That sucks. Don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I love kids. That instant put him into a dependability of not leaning on his own understanding, but trusting the one who gives understanding and led him to head towards the path of selling the business and becoming a police officer. It would never have happened had Dragon's Den not collapsed. Because he was hoping to expand the business and become bigger. Folks, don't take the crises and the blind sides in your life as a way of thinking God's mad at me or punishing me. Embrace it. There's another person just recently. Boss comes into the office. She's worked at this place for eight years. Very loyal. You're done today. Um, that's nasty. This is a couple weeks before Christmas. This year, this past year. Downward spiral, depression that first day, almost suicidal. Because the whole life's crashing. Well, I spoke to this person yesterday. And, oh my goodness, had the firing or letting go, not firing, letting go, not happen, she would not be where she is right now. I can't tell you the whole story. She might listen to this. <laughs> But the good part is that the details don't matter. You, you all have your own details. It's not unique. The crisis can be welcomed and embraced. Hard to at the time. Hard to see at the moment. Emotionally, you're going to be ticked and frustrated and all that stuff's going on. It's okay. God does work all things together. 
Even if it's hard. Even if a relationship crumbles. He will use the path he's put you on. We may plan our paths, but the Lord determines the steps. Because you may take a step off the path. Because you, you had perceived the path went that way. But somebody else had drawn another line that you were not able to see. A new path. Be not afraid. You're in good hands. It gets better. Isaiah 40, 31. Some of you knew this one was coming. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I don't know if it works out physically or not. Like, is that a physical thing or is that an emotional thing? You know, because I can't work out very long because I get weary really fast. You know, it's, it's hard. But yet, emotionally, folks, put your trust in Him. He will be your strength. He will be the wings that you need to soar over the circumstances. How many times have you responded to somebody who asks you, how are you doing? Well, under the circumstances. What are you doing under there? Get this. My friend Ken taught me this three years ago when I first met him. Three years ago. He's been asked, how are you doing? He said, really good. And I know he was walking through hell. Okay? Emotionally. Unbelievable heart tearing. And yet he's able to respond, I'm doing good. My circumstances are not, but I, the real me, my identity is good. Only God can get that revelation through to somebody. Only the Holy Spirit could get a person in crisis to be able to acknowledge it that powerfully. It is possible. He was, and one person called him on it. He says, how can you say that, that you're good? Because I know you're, what you're walking through. That's not being real. So no, no, no. Your perception of real is not real. The real me is real. I'm one with Christ, clean, pure, holy, and I have unfailing love coming at me. I'm com- the compassion of the Lord never fails. But what I'm walking through is hell. What's real? You got to ask yourself that. 2 Corinthians 5:17. This is read from the mirror uh, translation, paraphrase translation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 In the light of your co-inclusion in his death and resurrection, whoever you thought you were before, in Christ you are a brand new person. The old ways of seeing yourself and everyone else are over. Acquaint yourself with the new. How you see everyone matters. How you see yourself matters. Here, the writer encourages us, acquaint yourself with the new. Look at the real you, what's really real, the true real. Colossians 3, 9-10 says, Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self and its evil practices and have put on the new self, 
who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Do not lie to each other. Well, I thought this meant, well, don't tell a lie. You know? Like, flat out lie. Did you go to the store? No. Yes, I did. But you lied. No, that's not what this means. Quit lying to each other about identity. Quit speaking to each other. Especially, here's an example for Eldon and I. I am not to lie to him and say, you're a jerk. Because he's not. The real him is saint, holy, pure, righteous, and my brother. When I call him names and see him through a wrong lens, that's lying. It really is. We're not to do that with anybody. How you see each other matters. Quit lying. Acquaint yourself with the new you. You may have a hard time believing you're a new person. But don't let shame and history stop you from that. Shame doesn't define who you are. Jesus came to take that shame away, and he has. Now believe it. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Recognize your author. Who's the artist? Who's the creator? The one who formed you, made you, gave you new life, breathed into you, infused himself in you. <laughs> Gotta go back to the roots again. Back to the basics. Philippians 3. Last one. Don't have time for the other stuff. Darn. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 from the message. Listen carefully. This is a good one. Focused on the goal is the title. I'm not saying that I have all this together. That I have it made. But I am well on my way. Reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm often running and not turning back. Keep your eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of your faith. Who are your eyes on? The circumstances or on Christ? It's a good thing to remember. May we start this new year with a remembrance of our identity in Christ and never cease to grow and not see each other the same way anymore. We see each other according to the Spirit, not to the flesh. Sometimes it's hard because some people exhibit brutal flesh. Like, it's not nice. And so we think they are absolutely an idiot. Well, the truth is, they are absolutely acting like an idiot. But they aren't one. They're so consumed in their darkness and lost in that darkness, they don't realize what they look like. And the more you know who you are, the more you're going to act and reflect the light and life that is already in you. That is good news today. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for these scriptures of encouragement. We may plan our paths, but you direct each step. 
And we yield to you for every step, Father. Sometimes we want our own way like a little child. (laughs) But you're so loving and compassionate and gentle with us. Sometimes you let us have our own way and we suffer the consequences of those own ways. But that doesn't change our identity. It doesn't change your love for us. So today, may we yield what will happen in 2015 to you. Not try to control it. Allow us to dream your dreams that you have placed in us. Hold them loosely in open hands. And trust you as the God of outcomes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.